All right, gang. Um, this is uh, the cold open portion when we make jokes and laugh um, and check our levels. But uh, unfortunately, I, there's really nothing to joke and laugh about these past couple weeks uh, or the 28 years I've been on this planet and black people have been on this uh, been in this country. Uh, we will still joke and laugh throughout the podcast. Uh, <laughs> it won't be as dreary, but we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the injustices that are happening right now with black and brown people being targeted by the police um and some civilians <laughs> so um mm-hmm. it, it's it's disgusting uh it's sickening and we're not going to be that entertainment movie podcast that's going to just glimpse over these things and pretend like oh movies are so much more important or movies are just like yes they are an escape a form of escapism but like this is real life we're real human beings we want to keep it a 100 with all of you um and just to say this is uh disgusting um we had uh um, George Floyd, who who died uh, a couple of days ago with an officer's knee on the back of his neck. Um, again, uh, black and brown people, I, I'm not posting the video for that reason. I, I just can't. Um, mostly it's for uh, the uh, my brothers and sisters who are uh, of no pigmentation. <laughs> uh, my white folks, my white allies, and even some enemies, if you watch this show, or listen to the show, rather, watch the video, because it's fucking clear. It, it hurts my stomach. I don't like, I can't even talk about it without feeling sick and feeling a sense of anxiety. Um, just being black and American and going outside is a death sentence, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, we had Ahmad Arbery as well, killed by people who are not cops. I repeat, these people are not cops who were making a citizen's arrest, shot him dead. I don't give a fuck what he did. He didn't have a weapon on him. He wasn't threatening their lives. I don't care if he stole. Sh- I don't give a fuck. That is not a death sentence. Uh, police should not be jury, judge, and execution. That's just not how the, the system should work, but it continues to work against black and brown people. There have been so many other people. Tamir Rice, uh, I just, I can go on and on. The list can go on and on. And it's, it's sad because I can't even remember some of these names. There's so many. Yeah. So many. Uh, and then we have. There's so, so many. And, and yeah. to any of those folks, because you, you know, in those comment sections, maybe not ours, thankfully, because we got some great folks that listen. But in those comment sections, you're going to see people pushing back against Black Lives Matter and being like, well, all lives matter well i think if you can't see now that systemically the american criminal justice system doesn't understand that black lives matter and that's why it's important to be said like y- you need to really reevaluate where you're getting your info and and your biases it's uh as you said it shouldn't be no one should have to worry about their life just yeah. stepping out the door yeah i think i saw a twitter um response or a tweet or a, a meme that said you know I believe it was a tweet, um, and I forget who this individual was, so I apologize for um, not giving the credit it deserved, saying, you know, I woke up black, having a pretty good day, uh, great weather, and then I see this, and it kind of ruins your whole day, and you have to think about this, and think about how to live your life, and that's how it was for me, and you know, I, I wake up, and I'm like, oh, the day is going to be pretty good, you know, it's a, a nice day out, you know, you just have COVID going on, but you know, it's still, you can make what you can of it, and you see this, you just your stomach just drops, and like Ian said, like, these white lives matter, blue lives matter shit is fucking ridiculous it's fucking stupid stop it stop
stop it because you feel a sense of guilt on yourself and there is a lack of empathy there, you can bump us with that bullshit, miss us with that bullshit. These are human fucking lives, American lives being lost. I, I, you should be outraged, disgusted. And um, yeah, so if, if you are not a black and brown person, uh, it is your duty to reach out to those who may think that way and, and, and explain it to them because we're tired of doing it because we, we're dying and we don't have the energy to explain why we deserve to live. So it's one thing to not be racist. It's another fucking thing to be anti-racist. And that's what every white ally should be is anti-racist actively fighting against it not passively mm -hmm. fighting against it because passively fighting against something does fucking nothing uh yeah uh, uh any you have any more thoughts because i <laughs> this this conversation makes my asshole itch so um uh, more thoughts no i think i think you've said it quite well uh you know if if you are if you are complacent in the oppression of others, then you are not truly complacent, and that's all that I'll I'll have to that's all that I have to add on that. You've said you've said it very well. Um, it's a sad state of affairs that the American people find themselves in when we cannot love and care for every single member of our community because a white supremacist racist institution. You know, not everyone. A lot of people like there there are those folks that go into the police force for good but again uh this whole few bad apples argument doesn't necessarily hold water when those bad apples are not weeded out because of a culture of uh of fraternization yeah and you can't the the few bad apples argument only holds up so long especially when the actual idiom is something like a few bad apples spoil a barrel so yep. Um, yeah, no, you said it all, you said it all quite elegantly, and, uh, again, cold opens should generally be fun, but unfortunately, it, we would be remiss to not address, uh, a problem that is plaguing the American people, and especially American people of color who, like, you know, like, to pretend that America and its institutions aren't racist or racially biased is just pure fantasy at this point. Yeah, you, you and I are in a, uh, thousand percent agreement, um, but let's, um, uh, leave that with you, let that sit with you with your hearts and your minds um, please if you take anything from this podcast take what we said to heart in this cold open uh, and with that we're gonna get into some fun shit uh, <laughs> yep address uh, address the heavy shit so that we can have yep. the fun shit yeah because uh, it is important and we're not that podcasters to be like we, we we don't like to play sides no 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 uh, it's very clear uh, when we know what important. side of history we want to stand on yeah. exactly when things are important we have to say speak out but anyway let's get into this intro let's uh let's have fun carry that with us but at the same time let's uh let's let's talk about these movies um enjoy ourselves and and, and let's have a dialogue between you and i uh because we love you so much we do all right uh let's do it
All right, gang. And with that very pointed cold open, I think it's time that uh, you get to know us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Who the fuck are we? Well, I'm Ian. I'm Ben. And yeah. this is too many flicks. You know, we come here and we do the we do the movie stuff for you. We try to we try to distill everything that's happening on a grand scale in movies into a weekly little sum up just for you. We start with tasty trailers. We move on to where we break down trailers from the week. You couldn't tell from the name. We move on to flicks news where we. Get give you a little bit of news from flicks news we give you a a, a hot take something that uh, uh may stir the pot a little bit if you will and then from uh hot takes we move on to stream theory where we give you the best in streaming right now although sometimes the worst <laughs> Sometimes it's the worst in streaming, but, you know, that's the nature of the game. And we wrap it all up with trivia. We put a little knowledge right there in the in the episode. We learn something, mm-hmm. you learn something. Yeah, it's right, beautiful. Right in your brain. It's beautiful. I say that this is the best damn movie podcast after 1 p.m. on a Wednesday. Exactly. Right. And you heard it here first, folks. After 1 p.m. on a Wednesday, you're not going to find any other better podcast about <laughs> movies. That's right. So let's get into Tasty Trailers. You like that, dog? Let's do this shit. Tasty. Tasty. Trailer. Trailer. Mm, that's good. That's real good. Okay, my friends, it is time for something tasty, and holy shit did this week deliver. Y'all, you know we gotta kick it off with the new Tenet trailer. New Tenet trailer just dropped a few days ago, and it is fucking lit. Tenet, is it really still set to come out July 17th? Uh, yeah, dude, I, I looked it up, and it's it's trying to come out July 17th. I don't think that- I, These motherfuckers bold. They, <laughs> they, they're gonna go back in time and stop the coronavirus. From what I understand from this new trailer, that's something they can do. Tenet, my friends, is the new film coming out from Christopher Nolan. If you haven't heard the news yet, shout it from the mountaintops. It is starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Himesh Patel, Michael Caine, Clemence Posey, and Kenneth Branagh. I'm sorry, just go through those names in your head again. I'm talking John David Washington, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the benefit of not doing it in your head and saying it out loud. John David Washington, Jingleheimer Schmidt, <laughs> Robert Pattinson. I don't know why I made that joke, but that's what stuck in my head. Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Himesh Patel. I'm so glad he. He's doing something other than yesterday, y'all. Sorry, Himesh, that movie sucked. Michael Caine, Clemens Posey, and Kenneth Branagh. What? What? Okay. Armed with only one word, tenant, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, the protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the appropriate response to that synopsis. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, this movie is a lot for my brain. <laughs> It's, you know, and Chris, Chris is at it again. He's at his antics again. Yeah. Chris, are you bending reality again? <laughs> Chris! How can I fuck up their brains? How can I make their brains melt through their ears? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll do some sort of weird time loop thing wherein I give them a gun that doesn't shoot bullets. <laughs> no, no, no. The gun doesn't shoot bullets, John David Washington. No. The gun catches bullets <laughs> like what 
It's just like the whole thing is just like, yo, what? <laughs> it's just like, if you told me anybody else was attempting this story, I'd be like, sounds like it's gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, what is like, Think about this premise. Let's just think about the premise. Like, what is the premise? Um, hold on, hold on. The premise is that there's a secret international spy agency stopping something worse than Armageddon. Yeah. Using backwards time? What is that? Reversing mean? the flow of time? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? What are they stopping? Because of course he's not gonna tell you. He very much is like, what's that special box? That 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 mystery box? That 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 um the mystery box like like storytelling yeah yeah yeah, yeah that uh y- your boy uh god damn it what's his name jj jj yeah yeah god damn it your boy uh, jay brooms like, yeah he's one of my favorite directors besides um <laughs> some of his star wars stuff uh but <laughs> anyway yeah this is like that he, they're not gonna tell they're just gonna give us bits and pieces it's it's almost june <laughs> so it's probably gonna be like maybe two more trailers i doubt those trailers will really tell as much <laughs> i i oh yeah. no not at all it probably will just be a re-edit of this trailer and then the last trailer might give us a little bit of what they're fighting but it's it you're you're going in blind i i can't ian could you think of anything well okay first of all let's talk about the trailer first and then we get into what may be coming and what they have to defeat so the trailer if you've seen the first uh what the sneak peek trailer uh the teaser it's kind of just an it's expounding upon that um john david washington you find out a little bit more about what he does um you find out that robin patterson's character is fucking nuts um and michael kane is practically alfred uh again <laughs> so you want to know about this do you it's like yes michael kane anything you say michael kane <laughs> just so this this is actually a fun fact that i i read recently um and i don't know if these two are connected but michael kane when he was doing inception uh accidentally did let slip in an interview that he had discussed with nolan that anytime he was on screen uh leo's character was like in the real world it like he is supposed to be a grounding force in the inception movie and so for tenet he didn't get a script like they told him his lines and they didn't give him a script and i'm wondering if it's because they're worried that michael kane is gonna spoil the mechanics of the movie again oh man i i <laughs> probably that and also too i think it's probably done for a reason uh i'm sure i mean obviously it's done for a reason that's one of the reasons but i think it's probably done narratively as well because christopher nolan's a crazy son of a bitch it's like no that's a good point your, that's a your good point. character doesn't need to know any of this stuff it's like mm-hmm. but why like i need a script don't i no michael you do not we'll give you your lines <laughs> <laughs> jesus fucking what he didn't, they didn't even give him a script they just gave him his lines yeah yeah god damn you gotta be so this is me. this is something that's interesting to me uh because like they at one point in the film i'm pretty sure i think it's washington's character who says like what is this time travel and someone responds like no time inversion and i'm just like okay semantics right right like, right seriously time, time inversion what what do you it, do you stop the future bad thing happening yes did you do it from the past yes uh motherfucker that's time travel that's time travel time inversion come on like let's uh, it, there, there has to be something in this time travel that someone must have a consequence there must be consequences involved in the time travel it must make may take a toll on your body or your mental 
psych psyche oh um, sure yeah uh, like inception like christopher nolan does a lot like yeah you can have this great power but it's going to take a toll um <laughs> like you're gonna hurt one way or the other i mean you even see it in fucking i mean batman like you just uh so it's gonna be interesting to see this unveil before our eyes um in reverse while also moving forward jesus christ uh, <laughs> just I, I i we don't really know how to talk about it uh, i just and that's that's the difficult thing with nolan films is that it looks so good but if you just talk about it it's all nonsense at 100 we're sound we're gonna sound crazy uh ian what, what, since we kind of glossed over the uh what the trailer was and how it looked uh, can you tell me something about what you feel is the thing that they're trying to um stop that's worse than the armageddon do you have any inclining of what my, that might my- my only inclination is that it is directly tied to their I, I'm going for the for the sake of it to call it their time antics. Mm. Um and possibly like whatever organization that Washington is working for um isn't the only group that knows how to use said time antics. Um and it it truly does sound to me, uh specifically when he's talking with um one of the scientists, I'm not sure which actress plays them them but they're like a femme presenting scientist she's like we need to stop he's like we need to stop armageddon she says it's worse than armageddon uh, which is conceptually tough to wrap your head around because that's the end of everything but my guess would be it is the unraveling of the fabric of space and time like whatever they whatever mechanic they're using to change the outcomes of the present uh is having an effect on the universe or the world or the universe at large that would that's like the only thing that i can guess mm, yeah so the, the universe may just collapse upon itself or something like that something like that and you know i i'm curious about the word tenant because at the very beginning of the trailer like uh, a spooky like head bureau secret service guy handler of washington's character tells him like uh the word tenant is a key it's gonna open some doors like okay like holy shit like we have this whole like what is tenant you know like that's a whole nother question that i i don't even feel qualified to begin unpacking yeah what how about you though what do you think is the big bad here what do you think is like uh what it what could be worse than armageddon ben i don't know i i i one could think that maybe there's some a green book sequel yes that that (laughs) that is worse uh (laughs) i i don't know it's it's hard to say maybe there's a timeline dispute maybe they're affecting other timelines and have to go through maybe it's it's a deeper layer of that sort of thing and they um they have to traverse time through different um universes maybe it's a multiverse type thing and the multiverses will collapse upon itself but i don't really get the layering of that that's just that is kind of my uh initial uh theory the spitballing because i don't know nolan did it again he, he just he did it again he done did it again we, we really won't know until we see it honestly well you say that about a lot of movies yeah but you know what you're getting into with most movies <laughs> with most movies with most movies you're like yeah i i, I pretty much called that with nolan movies you're like i don't i, I yeah i guess <laughs> just like I think part of I think part of the thrill of Christopher Nolan films that aren't historical fiction because Dunkirk was an exception like the world of Dunkirk was already created for him he just told a story in that world what Christopher Nolan is really good at is creating his own worlds wherein the rules are almost entirely very clear in present like you know Inception has a few little like hang-ups but not a ton um 
and so that's what makes that's what makes guessing Nolan films uh, in their premises so difficult uh, because he does create something entirely from his imagination, which he is able to justify in an elegant way within the story. But again, like that's part of the thrill is we get to see something so far removed from what we do know that it's impossible to speculate because who knows what this dude's cooking up, you know? Yeah. Uh, God, who knows what this dude's cooking up? Uh, you know, one thing I will say about it, though, is it's bold and kind of slightly ridiculous that he did they didn't move it at least to like August or September um, with the COVID. Yeah, I'm curious to see if this if this date doesn't get pushed back. I, I don't, July 17th is very bold. But it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. I feel like Nolan is very stubborn. He's like, I'm no, I made it for the cinema. It needs to come out in the cinema. And it's like, well, dude, uh, there's a pandemic, so relax. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Uh, and also, I don't. Do you realize that it's not going to make that much money if people have to social distance in a theater? Like, there probably will be a limit on how many people can watch it in a theater. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Um, unless we start uh, drive-in movies, which would be kind of cool. Um, yeah, those may come back. Those. I mean, that would be the best way for theater to kind of like get going again because here's here's the here's the uh, the nitty-gritty on that um well, what are you thinking i don't understand what the studio like at least move it back a month to where we at least have more testing you know we have contract uh contact tracing um and all these things somewhat in place because we have an um, incompetent government but at least maybe the states the state governors can can get those things in place and it'll be a lot easier for people to go to the movie theaters so i don't understand why just move it a month to like august the 17th we have at least a better understanding it's more time for your fucking peace to breathe you wanted to make at least the most amount of money it can make in this situation and i think you do yourself a disservice by putting it in july the 17th now, i'm not going to go to a fucking movie to see that shit i want to see it i i look it's tenant we're talking about we're a movie podcast we watch all the movies so that you fucking don't have to but if it's a pandemic um <laughs> um so uh we'll see um it probably will get moved back like ian like you said so we'll we'll, we'll keep our ears to the ground on that hopefully they do i think it just will help them um help them a little bit better and yeah i might see it if it's in august you know and things are a little more calm but so i was gonna say um nolan loves his july releases inception looking at his past work inception was july dunkirk was july interstellar was released in october huh now interstellar is by its nature a little bit more pensive and a little less action driven despite there being action in interstellar that's like not the main hook of it um but i'm wondering if he wouldn't consider some sort of like October release. You don't want to do December because uh, Villeneuve and Dune have already like won December. Um, you don't want those two titans going up against each other. Um, but I'm willing to bet we see this push back to sort of October-ish. And, and then you would have to do early October because remember there might be a second wave of this. That's so true. In the fall yeah. and like that's right when the fall is about to begin. Um, I, I would I would hope that he may do it August, September. I, I would see uh, October because because he's stubborn either way. He's like, okay, if you're not going to do a July, then October. Um, which hopefully the second, the wave won't be as bad. And like many scientists are predicting, or at least it will start maybe a month after that. So we can all see it. But who knows? We'll see. Because we don't know much about this at all. And we're kind of just like playing it by ear. We're winging it. When most countries have not wing, wung it, winged it, it, it. I don't know. I don't know what the, the, the past. They got their shit together. Yeah, y'all. they got their shit <laughs> They got their shit together, and we we kind of are bumbling through. So we'll, we'll we'll keep our ears to the ground, and we'll see when this is going to be released, and we'll see if the studio does anything. We don't know. Uh, we don't know. 
Who's to say? Yeah, who's to say the studios are, you know, it's got to be a changing of the old guard, you know? I don't know. Maybe the new people will, will change it. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, uh, that leads us to our next trailer, The Old Guard, and that comes out July the 10th. Oh, my God. But that is on Netflix, so you can watch it in the comfort of your fucking home. <laughs> it's directed by Gina Prince by the Wood, and it's starring Shalice Theron, Kiki Laney, Luca Marinelli, and Chitwatel Ejiofor. A group of mercenaries, all centuries-old immortals with the ability to heal themselves, discover someone is onto their secret, and they must fight to protect their freedom! Uh, yeah. Ian, I'm gonna kick it off to you. What what you think of this trailer, man? This trailer's got a lot of exciting stuff in store. Uh, I think that it is a relative. It's it's a it's a premise that we've seen before with a little like fresh polish on it, i.e., sort of extraordinary militarized group uh, doing like mercenary work. Um, it's it's a it is a fun twist that they are <laughs> essentially like immortal beings. Um, and now people are starting to realize just what they are, and so they're. They're they're out they're out to go and get them. Um, I will say this in my notes. Um, I said that some of the action choreo uh, left me a little disappointed, but then I did note that maybe everything Sh uh, Charlize Theron does with fight choreo is going to look disappointing when compared to her performance in Atomic Blonde, which is just like her fight. The, the fights in Atomic Blonde, I think, stand to be some of the best staged and choreographed fights in the history of anything ever. Um, that being said, it, it, it seemed to make up for that in terms of character everyone had a nice little sort of uh character beat in this trailer it is incredibly exciting to see kiki lane getting more work i think she's incredibly talented i had the immense privilege of spending a, a period of time at school with her where she was just a glowing soul and so no one is more deserving than this young woman of the work that she is getting um i'm curious i'm hoping that we get a little bit more of the past stuff a lot of the trailer is for very very good reasons set in the present during the actual conflict that the film centers around but you got me really intrigued here these immortal folks have been around protecting humanity for uh, they don't say how long but it seems to be heavily implied centuries if not millennia like i, I kind of want to see them kicking ass in fucking medieval times you like i kind of want to see them fucking ripping shit up like back in the fucking like 500 ad or some shit like i want like i'm hoping we get a little bit of that you know yeah this is huge for Netflix. They're getting Charlize Theron, who's like hands down one of the biggest names, if not action stars in the industry right now. I I, I think there's a lot of promise here, but I'm not completely sold. How about you, Ben? Yeah, uh, you know, I actually thought the action was pretty good. Uh, I have seen Atomic Blonde. They're, Atomic Blonde's action is a cut above the rest of any um, like combat period in any movie. So uh, yeah, that's they're not even comparable. But I, I did enjoy, there was a move that she did with um, Kiki Lane and I'm sorry I, I mispronounced her name I said Laney it is Lane I apologize sorry Kiki um, but yes where they're in the hallway and I think Kiki's character gets shot <laughs> but she's okay because she's immortal and they regenerate and then like they they give this other look and then they continue shooting and there's also another sequence where Charlize Theron's character is like does this really cool back bend while she's shooting somebody I'm like damn you know it, again outside 
outside of those moments, I, I know they highlighted those moments because those are like the cool moments. Outside of those moments, yeah, it was kind of generic. But those moments, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Again, I'm easily amused. Uh, <laughs> and I, you, you get me. I think you're right, though. You know, like it, it, like there's a level of familiarity where like it's like ah, yes, the immortal superpowered uh, gun shooters, but also like there's a there's some fresh spin on this. Yeah, it's it's a nice little spin on this. Um, Shalice Theron and, on Netflix, man. Like you said, uh, Kiki Lane, Lane. I didn't I didn't know you, you you went to school with her. I did. I spent freshman year of college. Well, get uh, the fuck. You went to okay. So uh, very talented class, and I'm sure your time is coming soon, dog. Just I know it. But Joe, you went to school. I, I, I can't even stress about that. I can't even worry about that. She. When I tell you that Kiki Lane was a cut above the rest, she, like yeah, no yeah. one is surprised that she is now booking blockbuster roles. No one was surprised from my school when they saw that she was listed in If Beale Street Could Talk. Like this, this woman right is killing the game, and it's so exciting. And and also joke kiri correct mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. look uh depaul is cranking out bangers of talented motherfuckers look at uh, look oh shit y'all some talented motherfuckers anyway uh yeah she's she's doing some great work here um she, she's just on a path a war path she's she's tearing it up and i hope she continues to tear up tear it up uh, being a, a a young uh african-american woman like keep fucking doing your shit fucking book them roles you better book that you better book them what roles anyway um <laughs> yeah july 10th man Man, I'm I'm here for this. This is probably I feel like a lot of Netflix movies, unless they're uh, helmed by like a really big director, they're usually just kind of like this is a good movie. You, you you get every once in a while you get like excellent movies on Netflix, but they mostly sit around. I think I would say so far to say about seventy five percent of them sit around very good to like okay to like this is not good at all. But a lot of them are just very solid films. Like I believe Extraction and like these other films that are coming out on Netflix. Um, the Lovebirds, which uh, was really good. Uh, I'll talk about that later. But yeah, um, I feel like this is going to be something that you can just put on in the background while you're also doing other stuff, <laughs> you know? And you could probably bounce right back in the middle and be like, oh, this is going on now. I, I completely understand. You won't get lost. I feel like this is going to be a fun time. I feel like it's going to be a fun time. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I'm honestly excited to go review it when it does drop because, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's not the most original premise. It's no, like, Christopher Nolan fucking universe bending bullshit but like it does seem like there's a fresh take and uh, some really fun folks attached at the very least yeah this is definitely when I said like with Nolan you're gonna be like I I don't quite understand I'm not mad but I don't quite understand what's going on until you see the movie and there are other movies that you can watch the trailer and be like I kind of get what's going on this is that type of movie yeah I get it you know what they're giving you You they're giving you immortals that fucking kick ass with guns and knives exactly Exactly. There's no mystery box there, baby. It's 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 immortals, like you said, kicking ass, and you know they're old, so they're relics. But hey, they're doing their thing, trying to live. They're doing their thing, and friends, that's gonna take us into our next trailer, which is just so aptly and coincidentally titled "Relic." What? What? That's right, Relic. Relic is also dropping July, July 10th. Uh, I'm really hoping that's a digital release. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but Relic is dropping July. 10th. It is directed by Natalie Erica James, and it is starring 
Emily Mortimer, Bella Heathcote, Robin Nevin, Chris Bunton, and Steve Rogers, just to name a few. Boy, I bet you he's fucking living the life, this actor, Steve Rogers. He's probably just loving everything that's happened over the past 10 years, this Steve Rogers guy. <laughs> right? He's, you know he gets it all the time. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and bless his soul. He doesn't look a thing like Captain America. Well, gotta know, love it. You gotta love it. Yeah, this movie, uh, this looks... I do, I, yeah, I should ahead. read, I should... Oh, sorry. Before I start goofing on it. No, it's my fault. I should read what this is about. Right. You so sh- you, dear <laughs> listener, aren't like, dude, what the fuck? You're just um, jumping through. <laughs> <laughs> the premise, if you will. Uh, a woman links her mother's increasingly volatile behavior to an evil presence at their family's decaying country home. Yeah, this thing's spooky, man. I think it's some of the, the the headlines while you're watching the trailer, it says like it really ha- is a deep dive in like dementia and how that affects a family and a person and how scary that can be. And the best horror taps from real life, you know? The best horror is not just, we're trying to scare mm-hmm. you. The best horror is like, these are real life instances that can be horrific and they're amped to 10. We're bumping up the level to 10, 15, 20, just so you fucking understand it vividly and understand how fucking horrific this can be and sometimes it can't be helped it this just uh it's not it doesn't tell you much but it just gives you that creepy eerie feeling that sends shivers down your spine just raises the neck hairs they just stand up and it's like ah no i'm good Mm, i'm good Mm -hmm. this whole thing is incredibly atmospheric like atmospheric with a capital a there are uh there just appears to be some very confident filmmaking here as you said ben the quotes that flash across the screen certainly do promise a lot like i do not doubt on this crew's ability to deliver but people are like this film is like not only horrific but it's important it it really cuts at the uh it it, it takes the uh subtext of films like hereditary and babadook and just fucking dives head first into it it's so fucking it, it, they, they, like the trailer and the quotes they choose to flash certainly do set this up uh, for some high expectations. Um, God, there's a phenomenal shot where one of those quotes do flash across the screen where it's just this very still, slightly slow shot of this uh, of this hearth that's like slowly punching in and then just like the wall like from the inside like breaks outward a little bit like a fist is punching through. Like, it's just incredibly uh, unsettling. Yeah. What this movie does well that a lot of horror movie trailers can learn from, a lot of horror films can learn from, period, is you don't see any monster. You don't see any supernatural force, really. You don't, you, there aren't any cheap jump scares immediately to be like, oh, look how scary it is. It's purely, like you said, Ian, atmospheric. It is just tones, uh, lighting, hammer shots, and angles, and just pure acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The theme is just it immediately. You, I, I'm, I wasn't completely, completely spooked, but you feel uncomfortable, and that leads itself to earned scares and earned like jump scares when they happen because you've already entered this world where you are considerably uncomfortable and uneasy. <laughs> like you're just like uh uh-uh, uh uh uh-uh. It's like the whole time, and that's what this does as well. This trailer in itself just does it so well. It's a very short trailer, very easy to watch but as soon as you're in there you're like oh fuck 
what it, and this is this yeah. is actually really exciting. I did not know this. I'm doing just a little bit of a of a mm-hmm. background search on Natalie Erica James. This is her first feature, her directorial debut of a feature film. So this is incredibly exciting and promising. Ooh. She's worked on some shorts. She is and don't think that she hasn't put in her time because just looking at her credits, like this young this young woman's been grinding as second unit directors or assistant directors. Uh, she's been writing for. She wrote all of these. Uh, things that she's directed. This is uh, what a great way to just show up on the scene, man. Yeah, because this this joint right here is looking like it's gonna be one one of the the great horror films of our time. So I'm excited because it, it there was an earlier release. It just hasn't released yet in the states. Um, where it's like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's out of thirteen critics. Like it's solid. It's it's solid. Um, and I don't know if that's gonna go down. I don't know if it's gonna translate well for American audiences. How that's gonna you know play out. Um, I doubt it goes down any more than uh, like a hundred maybe like 80 lowest probably sit around like 90 upper 80s 90 95 or maybe it stays to 100 who knows but like yeah this is a solid film it's worth a watch all out the gate so if you're like i don't know if it's gonna be pretty good it's a good chance it's gonna be pretty good for most now some people might not like it and that's completely fine because art is subjective but if we wanted to direct you to to watch something when it comes out this is one of those things we don't know if it's gonna be in theaters probably i'm take dish- i did a little bit of looking yeah. and it it seems like it's going to premiere on IFC Midnight. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, is that a streaming site? Yes, if I understand correctly, IFC Midnight is kind of like uh, the independent IFC's. Film. Yeah, it's like their sort of streaming service. Yeah, I don't know how much that cost, y'all. Um, but I'm sure after it does that, it probably will come to the more the the more um, popular streaming sites once it like does well on that site. They, they might Netflix or Hulu might pick it up or HBO um, so it could be accessible to more people because I don't know if people are willing to buy IFC pay for another, another streaming one. service yeah. um, and we're not going to tell you to watch it illegally but we're not going to say don't <laughs> but like at the same time like the you know these people worked hard on it to see an investment and it's also small but smaller budget if this were like uh, I don't know Transformers 5 and you're like I just don't know and <laughs> if I'm going to pay to see that and I might want to watch it somewhere you know legally legally i mean like all right whatever but this is a smaller try to watch it on the platforms i'm sure it will be get picked up soon on a bigger and more popular one but up uh, with that being said is there anything else you want to say about this trailer e uh no friends keep a lookout for relic uh emily mortimer you're a, an absolute charm um that's all all right friends uh please please let us know what you thought about these trailers we would love to discuss um our ideas and we would love to hear about your if you're looking forward to anyone, which one you're looking forward to most, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Too many flicks. That's number two and an X at the end. And we will get to you um, in a speedy manner, we promise. All right, let's get on to our next segment. This just in. Extra, extra, read all about it. Flicks news. Okay, friends. This is our first topic in Flix News. Edge of Tomorrow's Doug Lyman will team up with the past collaborator Tom Cruise to direct an action movie set to be the first filmed in outer space. Uh, I'll read that again. Uh, to direct an action movie set to be the first filmed in outer space with Tom Cruise. Oh, God. Thank you, Deandra Ross at Screen Rant for that information and doing the heavy lifting. Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. Of course, one, it's Tom Cruise because he's fucking batshit crazy. Two, like... 
like, this is very dangerous for our entertainment. I want y'all to be okay. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And if it if people live, um, it will look dope as fuck. But like, you, you're going to have to do astronaut training. They're not going to send you up there without that training. And I'm sure Tom Cruise will do it. He's probably already done it. He, he, he probably did it without even ha- out having to do it. He's done it already. Right. <laughs> right. Probably did it before he, he had to do anything. They were like, hey, Tom, uh, you want to come out to lunch with us? Like, you know, it's like, no, no, no. I have astronaut training. Are you are you working on the movie? No. <laughs> okay, Tom, do that. He's like, I got to put this training to get use. Let's uh, do a movie out of space. <laughs> okay, Jesus. But then like the cast and crew, like you have to worry about their well-being. I, I don't know. I, I, a part of me wants to see this because that's historic and really fucking cool. But a part of me is like, um, I feel like a studio is taking a really big risk with making sure that this works because it's very dangerous to go out of space. <laughs> Ian, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a kitsch. It's like to be the first film to do X, you know, first film to film in space. That's a that's quite an endeavor. Cruise is apparently working with uh, SpaceX. He and Lyman came up with. Some idea, there's no word on what the actual plot or premise would be. Also, like, <laughs> how do you justify, like, it's obvious, like, I don't, oh, they just got to do the most. The most. That's not to say that this is going to be definitively bad. Uh, there's a good chance, like, like, The Edge of Tomorrow was a great film. I don't, like, I don't think it's a classic film, but it was truly a great action film. So, it, you know, they really want to tackle this challenge. They want to make this as difficult for themselves as they can great fine make a film in space um (laughs) i'm curious to know more about this uh story as it unfolds but for right now it's like it feels it feels kind of like the next logical step in those film gimmicks from like that that have been around since the dawn of cinema but from like the 60s or 70s where it was like cinemascope is now a thing and then like you know like the 90s where it's like oh three glasses coming at you uh and now like the next logical kitschy step is like this was actually filmed in space jeez i don't know what this could be this is incredibly perplexing but hey you know what if you can genuinely justify the time and effort it takes to film in space like good on you i guess i'm excited to hear about this production i mean uh, how many crew members are going in space what is the ship gonna look like how much money are they spending Oh, God. You know, before they do stuff in space, I would like for them to, like, actually explore it a little more. Maybe go to Mars. Maybe do more stuff with the moon and in, in, in our space station. Maybe even explore Venus a little bit in the clouds because it's more habitable than it is in the hellish, under the hellish atmosphere. Um, well, here's the, the thing. Space. Space, SpaceX has been trying to make commercial space flight for a while. Yeah, viable. It, yeah. Just just make it viable. Not even a thing. Just, like, can we, can this happen? Can we have re- usable rockets that can dip up and dip back down you know elon musk is not my favorite person he's kind of a fucking doofus who inherited his wealth based off of the exploitation of workers on the african continent uh and it's mostly inherited wealth and you know what there's a lot to unpack there he and grimes named their baby kyle uh something wild like there's a lot to unpack there but they're trying to they've been trying for a while to make like commercial space flight thing and so i think a logical stepping stone just from like spacex's perspective is like oh sure like let's try to figure out a way
way to safely get an entire film up in space, you know? Because that's just, like, a slight step above, like, normal civilians going to space, I feel like. Yeah. So this is, this is not, this is surprising, but, like, not unexpected, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I suppose so. It's it's a weird state of affairs that we're uh, dealing with here. Uh, You know, it's bound to make a shit ton of money. People are, if, even if it's not good, people are going to want to see the movie that was filmed in space. Exactly. Uh, It's a hook. It's a little, it's a little, like, kitschy thing that's like, yeah, yeah. Well, gotta go see Tom Cruise in space. It might be, it honestly might break a shit ton of records. It's gonna be a hard press for people to be like, nah, I don't want to see that. People are gonna be like, I I gotta, I gotta see, like, right? People risk their lives to make this fucking movie. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes and how far this develops. If it still becomes a thing or if someone intervenes and like, that guy's come and stop. But, you know, right now it's, it's full steam ahead with this project. You just gotta get a script and figure out what it is so you know look out for the tom cruise and space movie because that's it's coming at a theater it's coming near you, you can't stop it you can't stop it all right uh what's our next topic my man next on the docket Zack snyder is getting a chance to release a director's cut of the justice league and david ayer has decided to chime in saying that doing a director's cut of suicide squad would be easy and cathartic this is coming from IndieWire, uh, reported by Ryan Laranzio. Um, is this good or bad for the industry? These second chances, these recuts, if you will. Um, that's for, uh, I, that's an, that's really difficult for me to uh, uh, parse or unpack or say for sure. Um, there's there's a large part of me that kind of thinks like uh, if the cut isn't good the first time, it's going to be incredibly hard to make it right the second time. That being said. <laughs> It doesn't necessarily account for, uh, you know, interference from producers and bigwigs who are more concerned about the financial viability of something as opposed to the actual heart of the story. Ben, this is more your realm of expertise. How do you feel about these two? Let's just be unambiguous here. These these two largely critical flops. How do you feel about these two getting a getting a second chance? What does Uh, that mean? Okay, so this is a hard one to do. And uh, a lot of people are very polar, pardon, are very polarized on this subject. Some people absolutely fucking hate it, and some people love it. I, but I think that this is one of those rare instances where a gray area needs to be considered. Um, first of all, I, I don't Zack Snyder as a person, whatever. Um, <laughs> Zack Snyder as a director, well, whatever, right? But Zack Snyder, person, human being. Let's talk about his daughter did commit suicide when he was when he was doing Justice. Um, so his mind wasn't all the way there. Now there have been several tragedies that directors have had to deal with I'm sure Wall Street movie uh, where they may have to had may have to had step down um, where they had to um, do other things or, or cut some scripts or their minds weren't focused and they didn't get a chance to redo but like that that line of, of reasoning it, you can miss me with that because like yeah just because they didn't have to doesn't mean other people don't have don't shouldn't have the opportunity maybe we set a precedence where we like okay look we as producers fucked you over um, and you are also going through a lot of shit and your movie became a Frankenstein's monster of a movie. Now I watched Justice League. It's not that bad. Honestly, it's 
not good, but it's not horrid. It's just like, oh, it's it's a weird blend of really bad and fun. Not so bad that it's fun, but they're like really fun moments where you're like, oh, these are these characters are okay. I could see these characters growing into something. It's just that the plot is very much does feel disjointed because there are two directors. Jo- Joss Whedon did the best that he could. Um, Zack Snyder did the best that he could in these instances. This is one of the rare instances where I'm like, okay, I'm okay with him having a director's cut of it. If he thinks it's easy, if they, they, they think they can do it, 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 it's a sense of redemption for him. That's fine for me. There, And on the flip side of that coin, though, is a lot of toxic fans um, will yell about what, yell and want to get their way and cry and scream and claw. And then like, you'll start to see more studios bend to their will. And that's a, that's when we get into a little bit of a, an iffy situation, right? Because mm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. we know how, especially with comic book culture, um, pure geek culture all the way around. And, you know, um, is not the most progressive. Um, I think it's, I think more progressive than it isn't. But when you come to comic books, anime, stuff like that, there there's a glaring issue <laughs> with the community that I think we are actively tackling and addressing now that wasn't addressed maybe even five years ago. But they're still out there and there's still a large part of these communities and they will yell, scream, claw and scratch until they get what they want. And that's when we're getting to an iffy point of this discussion. I don't think that should be an, a, a thing. Zack Snyder may be the exception to that rule because of his family issues. I will give him that. I do think the movie's probably still crap. Sorry, <laughs> but it might be more cohesive crap. <laughs> so as opposed to, you know, maybe it's a turd that looks brown and has green at the end. But maybe with Zack Snyder's recut, it'll be a, a nice polish of brown. Uh, <laughs> so you get you got that. And then there's also a slight possibility that the movie works really well with this cut. All this stuff that he had that he wasn't able to use, it might work phenomenally well. But then what do you do for the DCEU then? Do you go off of that Justice League? Do you have another Justice League? Like, it's a lot of variables in here that I'm not qualified to talk about, but I think there's a, a gray area. Now with David Snyder, I don't really want to see your fucking Suicide Squad, man. You talking about David Ayer? David Ayer, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't want to see your fucking Suicide Squad, dude. No, I really don't. No, I. I. I think. I think you raise a good. Good point that. Uh, in the case of Ayer in Justice League, like he had very legitimate reasons for uh struggling with the production of that film, specifically right. tied to family tragedy. Whereas, uh, whereas David Ayer's uh, Suicide Squad just like was not really well done uh maybe and you know again that could again come down to like oh the producers were interfering with the production of blah 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 even then it's still a whole mess and a half one of my favorite i i'm really into big into video essays and if you really want to check out someone who approaches things very fairly and critically and will really put words to why something either works or doesn't work i would highly recommend the youtube channel folding ideas and coincidentally uh the channel's best video to start with is specifically about the horrific editing in suicide squad i cannot recommend folding ideas enough uh specifically they have a video called the art of editing in suicide squad and i cannot do justice just how thoroughly this guy picks the movie apart he he i think he begins the video by either chugging a beer or cough medicine i can't remember which (laughs) 
<laughs> um, <laughs> and that's how you know that it, it, this is going to be a fucking roller coaster ride. Um, that being said, just looking at Zack Snyder's predicted runtime for this movie, like this thing better fucking move. The the estimated runtime for his director's cut is four hours. Uh-uh. Stop. Uh, see, it, what makes you also weary is like you did Batman versus Superman without any issues and it wasn't good. I mean, like, dude, exactly. What are we doing here? I mean, like, <laughs> like you you had one movie that was really, really solid in Man of Steel, and we're going to go into that uh, in our next segment. But without that, like, dude, I like Batman vs. Superman is a misstep, and you were just making more missteps. I just, uh, like, the, like, you also run a risk of having a bigger failure by do, putting out this remake, and it still sucks. <laughs> like, well, and here's the thing, because I am totally fine admitting this. I did not see Justice League. League. But isn't their villain Steppenwolf? It is. Isn't he like one of the most like blandest movie villains of all time? Just based off of like, like you want me to sit through four hours. A critical thing in any storytelling, I think, is that if your antagonist doesn't work, there is like a 90% chance that your story just doesn't work. Four hours with a boring antagonist. Like, Age of Ultron gets a lot of shit. Rightfully so. Ultron is not the most nuanced villain, but in recent lights, he's been getting a little more due diligence as people unpack it and like reset their expectations for what the Avengers were and became. If Ultron is ultimately more compelling years down the line than your movie villain fam you need to you need to go yeah. back to the drawing board and and the avengers had the benefit of having really really likable heroes like extremely yep. likable heroes that's kind of what what their thing was too you you don't have that because you didn't build up those heroes you, you don't no, you just sort of introduced <laughs> them and said uh and they've, they're together now yeah <laughs> right so Great. like there's nothing <laughs> So it's like, and then you have a fucked up Superman upper lip, like, like, okay, but I will give him that because he had a lot of stuff going on a lot. I will give him that pass personally, even though my, my passes don't matter to him and to the studio. But if, if I weren't, exa- I was like, fine, fine, fine. Okay. Whatever. Fine. Do it. Get it out of the way. It does. It hurts. No one the DC is EU is still going to move forward without that anyway. So it'll just be for you. Now the suicide squad doesn't make any sense. Because one, Justice League 2 is not going to happen for a very long time. Suicide Squad literally has a new director and it's having a soft reboot. So why in the fuck would you want to recut the Suicide Squad? Nothing happened to you, Pride. my dude. Your yeah. movie just stunk. I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I don't, yeah, producers probably inter, like interjected and, you know, were pushy and that sucks. That's in the name of the fucking game. That's how things work. Sometimes, especially with that, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Fine, whatever, whatever. But like, you got... J- James Gunn doing his movie and you're gonna fucking recut your movie for what reason because we're not gonna use any of that stuff so like it really it really just reads as him to me it reads as him being scared like first of all James Gunn is an exceptional storyteller uh, who tells great stories about flawed human beings if Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is any indication of that like I think that's a prime example the the right. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 should have been called the Rocket and Yondu redemption stories because he tells these stories about 
about people who are not necessarily very nice. Right. You know, like it, on their own, none of the Guardians of the Galaxies, uh, as as people, are truly like great folks, except for maybe Groot and Mantis, who are just sort of fucking adorable and sweet souls. Um, but the fact that he could take all of these people who are so flawed and make a really compelling story wherein they come out as the heroes, like that's exactly the sort of recipe you need to apply to something like the Suicide Squad. And this just reads as David Ayer being like, uh, uh, oh man, they got someone infinitely more confident, uh, competent at what I what I should have been doing. I can, I can still do it. If you give me the right. chance, I can still do it. And it's like, nah, dude, you had the chance. The ball fumbled, whether it was entirely your fault or if the producers need to be blamed or, you know, like wh- wherever down the line the that the buck falls, like your chance is gone. Like, yeah, I know it's gone. It's past. And it looks like he was waiting for an opportunity to say something too. And this immediately, as soon as that was greenlit, the 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 redo of of Justice League, he was like, "Oh, but and I can also do mine too." Oh, sit your ass down mm-hmm. somewhere, please. Ain't nobody talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Stop. Who invited David? Yeah, yeah. No, okay, David. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks, David. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're we're, gonna, we're not gonna do that. We're we're not doing that. It. But who knows? Do you think there's a likelihood of this happening though? Of Air getting his own cut? Yeah. So it's costing about 20 to 30 million just to recut um snyder's justice league i feel like i feel like with them already pouring money into a soft reboot like no one's gonna give this dude the time of day like 20 to 30 million to recut a film like that like was commercially like i from what i understand like financially it did fine but like critically it was just fucking torn to shreds for good reason no no one no one wants to hear it like no no air air let snyder take his stab at it still not really confident air sorry bro like the time has passed you can't you just you, you, it's you know you <laughs> shot no, your shot and it failed right and no one's asking for this like i don't see a huge movement of like release the suicide squad cut like every <laughs> it's pretty right. much unanimous that people are like yeah that movie's not good like stop <laughs> just like what m night channel is gonna be like well you know i've got a cut of the last airbender that i've been working on like stop come on <laughs> like, exactly no 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 like <laughs> Like, stop. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Ghostbusters, all-female reboot, was a victim of the 2016's anti-Hillary movement, says director Paul Fagg. Um, And that is done by J. Kim Murray at Variety. Thank you for doing that for us. Even though you didn't do that for us, you're doing that for Variety because they are paying you and we are not, but thank you anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, so this one is a lot to unpack here uh, i don't want to stay on it for too long um but yes and also the movie wasn't good <laughs> like it was like it was fun but like oh this is a tough one to to, to this really, is a tough yeah. one i'd like i'd like to uh kick it off by saying that i think uh paul fake paul here is wrong uh because yeah. i think it i think it is too easily and neatly it's too easy and neat to pin the failure of an all-female reboot of blockbusters on blockbusters fuck me an all-female <laughs> reboot of ghostbusters on a single incident uh i think i think 
I think it's too neat and too clean because it rather uh, is like, oh, the movie didn't fail as uh, because of uh, people's misogyny on a whole or like, you know, the failings of the film. Uh, it, it failed because there was a backlash to a specific instance of like a woman running for president. Like that's a little too neat for yeah. me. It's like in it's like in Pixar movies where it's like and uh, racism is just this one bad dude and it's not like a whole system that's entrenched that's causing this. Like if we just deal with the bad dude in our Pixar story, then we beat racism. Isn't it great? Right. Uh, yeah. It, it, it echoes that for me. I overall enjoyed the female Ghostbusters reboot. I do think that there were some major missteps like them uh, not reworking or addressing the horrible way that they stereotyped Leslie Jones's character being the only Ghostbuster of color. Like, that was definitely an opportunity for you to sort of acknowledge and or rework some of the horrible biases present in media in the 80s and 90s. And they didn't take they didn't take that opportunity, and that's not a good look on them. Overall, I had fun with the story. I think it truly did just fail because... A, it's not a perfect movie, and it's trying to reboot something so classic and iconic. But B, like, just general misogyny. People, like, enough, like, whiny ma- majority cis men. I'm not going to say all cis men, because that is the uh, insidious and pervasive nature of uh, the patriarchy and sexism and misogyny, is that it it can infect the minds of anyone of any background. Hooray! We're fighting a fucking awful, awful virus of thought. Um, But I, I do believe that it was due in large part to uh just enough people crying like meh you can't just replace my favorite men with women like yeah i don't no, know i think yeah, i think paul I, I, I think go ahead no no go ahead no finish your thought i was just gonna say that i think paul is uh uh grasping grasping at straws when the real answer is much simpler and it's just that there is still a, a huge pervasive culture of misogyny and sexism in major media i i you know i i agree uh, i think it's a bigger problem than uh <laughs> than hillary uh i think it's kind of disingenuous to just be like oh like you said ian like uh, it's hillary's fault like oh, come on dude like stop paul um yeah i you know i think the movie was fun it wasn't necessarily my favorite um it wasn't be anything to do with the fact that the women replace them i didn't care i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you ghostbusters is fun movie for me it's not one of my favorites it's not like a classic for me um i think it is cool so i mean i don't care who they 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 change out these characters for um and also these women are extraordinarily talented um individuals if anyone could do it it's definitely them um like you said the leslie jones character that was kind of a, a miss a well a huge miss mm-hmm. in, in many respects um I, I thought for one the movie should have been a completely different um completely different take as in like maybe been a sequel as opposed to like a reboot um series i think that would have benefited that's the only problem i, I really had with it though i think some of the jokes are pretty fun and it was a fun time um yeah i would have gone with more of a sequel route with the ghostbusters movie to be completely honest um but with that being said yeah uh it it most likely it got a lot of backlash toxic backlash from toxic fans and that's because that's the world we live in that's sexism is rampant um right especially in america in most countries period women are not treated as equals and then when you when you put women in different roles or roles that you're accustomed to being held by men people lose their fucking shits it's like are we are, are we fucking serious right now oh, i'm not gonna watch it oh they're ruining it blah 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 blah. there's a thing 
on right now, um, Avatar The Last Airbender. People love it. It's on Netflix right now. It's great. Great show. I recommend it. Highly recommend it. We'll talk about it later in Stream Theory. Um, however, there's a, a show that um, was on after that that took place in the same universe called The Legend of Korra. And as soon as they released the Avatar on <laughs> Netflix, people were like, oh, this is so much better than Korra. I'm glad Korra's not on here. Fuck The Legend of Korra. Korra. Why couldn't they just do Avatar and Aang when he was an older adult? And the writers are like, because his story was told and Korra's story is important. Now, Korra is um, a female lead, a femme presenting lead in the story. And her story is fucking amazing. Sometimes even better than The Last Airbender. I think the last few seasons are better than than, than most of the the, la- the Last Airbender. I'm not going to lie. But just because she's a woman, people lose their shits. It's the same thing happened with, the ghost, with Ghostbusters. It's like, you don't even give it a fair shot and it didn't do well. I think at least deserved to be to to, to have a, another movie. It's good enough for at least a sequel. You know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. It's it, definitely good enough. When for a when held up next to some of the other like soft reboots or rehashes or retellings of other stories that have been successful, I think that the 2016 Ghostbusters holds up uh, honestly one of uh, as, like as one of the best amongst yeah. like Hollywood rehashes. Um, uh, yeah. You said something really great. Uh, just a, just a couple minutes back that I think is entirely what Paul Feig missed, which is like, this is just the world we live in. I think that he is in denial and is like, no, like it was tied specifically to this pushback uh, of like Hillary Clinton. And it's like, no, the pushback against Hillary Clinton was a symptom of the larger problem as a whole. Like this is the world that we live in is full of uh, folks who don't, who either believe in some sort of twisted form of equality that really isn't equality or just straight out don't believe in equality yeah. at all. And also this wasn't his place to say some shit like that too. You also yes. man. Like get the f- it's barely our place to even respond to it. Nigga like well, sit your ass down somewhere. You, you who are you to say this is the lead cause? Motherfucker, you are not a woman you haven't had to deal with this your whole fucking life, Paul. Sit your ass down somewhere, Paul. Please. Um but yes. <laughs> you know, the movie had problems, but I think a lot of it was unfairly criticized because of their gender. And uh we'll, we can we can leave it at that, I think. Um, I would and, like to say because yeah, we, ahead, we owe we owe, I, I, if we're talking about his take we owe Paul Feig uh, the uh, decency of like having his words said and to his credit he sort of does cover the broader issue at play here wherein he he is quoted as saying it's crazy how people go nuts or got nuts he's talking in the past tense about 2016 it's crazy how people got nuts about women trying to be in power or trying to be in positions that they weren't normally in it was an ugly ugly year so he he acknowledges that like there's a little bit there that being said uh it is still missing the broader thing as a whole where he could have said like we are tackling misogyny on a global scale still today uh and that's why it failed uh we could like again we are not the most qualified to unpack this but uh we could also keep going on for hours and hours but you dear listener don't have that kind of time do you um do you mind if we kick it off to the next yeah the next topic okay um Doctor Strange director uh, Scott Derrickson boards the Labyrinth sequel in the works. This is from Dave McNary at Variety. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, um, this one's going to be kind of short. I, <laughs> I'm i not going to lie, guys. I haven't seen the first Labyrinth, but, you know, I hear it's a cult classic. People love it. It's going to be weird without David Bowie. I know he was in it. So, um, yeah, this movie probably deserves a sequel. I think it can work. Uh, the, the person that they have on it, the people they have on it, done some pretty decent stuff, too. So, yeah. 
Yeah, why not? For sure. The Dark Crystal has a, se- a prequel out on Netflix. It's a, se- it's a series. It's fun. I actually really like it. And I didn't even watch The Dark Crystal before that. I, I watched it afterwards. But yeah, it's a really cool series. I, I think stuff like this is really cool, especially with pu- the puppets and everything like that. I, I'm all for practical effects and puppetry and, and, and stuff of that nature. And maybe this, this reminds me that maybe I should go back and watch Labyrinth. I, I hopefully it aged well. <laughs> From what I understand, it has mostly aged well. Yeah. Uh, okay. There is some weird part where, like, David Bowie plays. I myself have tried to watch Labyrinth and I fell asleep because it's just not my shtees. Like, maybe it, maybe I'll, it, I'll grow into it at some point. From mm. what I understand, um, the Goblin King, played by David Bowie, kidnaps a teenage girl because he is, like, in love with her or Uh-oh. wants to make her his queen. Or, or I remember there being some strange underage uh, sexual component to everything because Ooh. it was the 80s and uh boy of attitudes changed for the better um <laughs> for the better that being said uh i have heard recently i don't know how um factual this is but people have been toying with the idea of having a uh femme goblin king and even been tossing around the name janelle monet which uh wherever that change.org petition is send it my way because yeah yeah it'd be kind of cool i'd be down with that yeah fuck yeah beast that'd be uh that'd be pretty slick i would totally be down yeah namone is the goblin king queen or our king fuck she could be the goblin king <laughs> hell yeah yeah who fucking cares or the emperor let's i'm here for it let's have let yeah sign that peti- t- petition please and thank you uh yeah yeah but know. it looks like everybody's coming back we have uh lisa henson the uh leader of jim henson's company uh producing you have so you're gonna have all the puppets you're gonna have everything coming back it's gonna be great keep 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 a lookout yeah keep a lookout for labyrinth 2 uh and that's really all we can really say on it uh we're gonna move on to our next segment uh and and we're gonna probably in our downtime try to try to watch it i guess yeah, why not maybe we have time all right let's move on to uh hot takes and now for another installment of stream theater <laughs> welcome to stream theory oh god uh <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. the our refined portion of the podcast here uh we're gonna tell you what's best on streaming ben i'm pretty sure that you had a uh, something that you wanted to talk about what you got for us yeah i got a couple of things i'm gonna be brief because these things have been around for a while but i want to shine some light on them just in case you are listening and you haven't watched um one is a fucking phenomenal classic some people say cult classic but no it's a classic my top three movies of all time is Spike Lee. Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Um, my wife uh, watched it with me the other day. I've seen it before. It's the first time seeing it. She loved it, of course, because it's Spike Lee's like ma- like opus. You know, it's just, it's his like crowning achievement. One of his best films. Maybe Black Klansman second. Maybe Malcolm X like a close. Maybe tied for second. Our first. Malcolm X is really good too though. Um, and he's got a lot others that we I could sit here and list Spike Lee's great achievements. <laughs> all day but uh do the right thing is an absolute fucking classic just the way they deal with themes of how hot it is in the day it's a summer sweltering hot day and tensions are boiling you know how mad you get when you have swamp ass you know you get it mm, yeah, that's pretty much it's new york his buildings are next to each other people are congested it's a, but, but it's black people blackity black 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 i love it but it's black neighborhood with black and brown people interacting and then you have uh this italian it's Rio who's like part of the black community but at 
the same time, they don't want to put any black people up on their wall as far as entertainers in their pizzeria. And you guys, a guy named Sal, and you have his sons, and, and Mookie, who's played by Spike Lee. Um, brilliant performances all around, and just the dichotomy between uh, how they interact with the rest of the the neighborhood is phenomenal. Um, and it deals with police brutality, and, and it deals with rising tensions so well as the theme of the heat in the city, and how just everything's any one thing, any one thing could tip over that scale. And then you have utter fucking chaos, justified and some not justified. And man, it's so good. The soundtrack, the way things move, it, it Anna's watching it. And this is one of the first times I really thought about it. She mentioned like, it reminds her of a stage play and it does. It's done. It's just, it just, and it's not a bad thing either. It, by stage play, I think one could say that it's just so very intimate. It's just like you're there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're watching people interact uh, and it's it's so full of life so full of color so full of blackness it's on amazon prime right now i i, I tried to find it on a, a streaming platform that uh you already have a subscription for or you're borrowing a subscription and you could just watch it but th that's not the case i don't fucking know why um why why because spike lee is demonized by a lot of white people for stupid reasons when he's a brilliant filmmaker he's just talking about black and brown lives but you know okay whatever uh anyway it's on amazon prime it is not on the prime part of amazon prime so you cannot get it for free if you have that streaming app but you can indeed rent it for four dollars it is worth a fucking f i've seen this movie i spent that four dollars quick as hell quick as hell quick as rice boils i spent that motherfucker i was like no we gotta watch this it's because it also was a hot day it was on the sunday it was like fuck we watch the spike lee movie <laughs> spike lee marathon motherfucker watch that shit still make you cry still make you feel four dollars if you got it do it do it is worth every bit of them four dollars watch it that day because it's only um i think the way the rentals work is only in a day you get it for about 24 hours so if you have that platform go ahead and do it or when it does come on a more popular platform please watch it there it's a classic also uh speaking of classics uh avatar the last airbender is on netflix i'm not really gonna go too much on into this it is again we spoke about it briefly in a previous segment but it is one of the best cartoons one of the best shows of all time um Korra being another really good show. Um, unfortunately, Korra is not on any of the um, uh, not on any of the popular streaming platforms. I believe it's on um, Cartoon Network streaming thing, which is through Amazon right now, and that's not free. So you have to sign up for another uh, subscription. And I'm not going to ask you to do that shit. Um, so I'm sure Korra is down the line. It's different, but it's so good. But the Avatar: The Last Airbender is phenomenal. It's the OG. It teaches kids so many things and adults. It's had some heavy but sure themes and some of the best action you'll see in a cartoon period that last scene where the avatar fights ozai who's brilliantly voiced by mark hamill by the way it's just chilling chills in the artwork in the third season oh my god get out of here just watch it do yourself a favor watch those things they're classics and if you haven't been watching what are you doing go watch them now okay Ian, go it's right your now. turn go now this is this is this is vaguely directed at me who has not <laughs> Uh, well, I, I wasn't even thinking about that, but you should! <laughs> Friends, the Ouroboros, the stream theory has schooled me. I have something I have to go watch now. The snake eats its own tail. Well, I got something too. If you if you if you feel contented about your uh, your avatar uh, and do the right thing uh, recommendations, if if you if you if you're all set there, I got I got a little something I want to talk about. Yeah, go for, go. Yeah, for, by all means. Um, friends, this was a long time in 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 the making. <laughs> uh, 
I want to say it was around episode... God, this might be almost 50 episodes in the making. Uh, I I lost a bet uh, mm-hmm. to Ben way back when we actually had stakes to the trivia. Uh, I was supposed to spend an hour 30-ish of my life uh, watching True Memoirs of an International Assassin. Ooh. God damn. This is the Netflix original movie that uh, is starring Kevin James. He is also joined by uh, other folks such as Kim Coates, Maurice Compte, uh, Zule Hinau, Andrew Howard, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, it was directed by Jeff Wadlow, and um, y'all, this is really, this is really, really tough for me to say this. I did not hate this movie. What? Like, I, I understand that it was supposed to be a punishment, and in some ways, it it was a punishment. Um, <laughs> but this this film has more style than I think it has any right to. Um, and I, I was I was severely shocked. And I'll say this, I don't think Kevin James is a brilliant performer, but he was a formative part of my childhood years back when I didn't have cable. I watched King of Queens. That was all they fucking had on, like, from, like, 6 to 7 p.m. on broadcast television was King of Queens. And so, you know, like, I grew up with him as a comedic influence. Um, and he does okay here. Like, he actually... I think Kevin James could kick my ass. Like, I, I legitimately think that he actually might be a formidable fighting opponent because this uh, Here Comes the Boom where he plays like a UFC fighter or whatever, like Kevin James has trained and he actually kind of puts some of that training to use in this film wherein he does not uh, completely bumble around. I, full disclosure, went into this film thinking that I was signed up for another Paul Blart and I was really, really <laughs> nervous. <laughs> Uh, The premise, though, which immediately dispelled this fear, uh, the premise is, after a publisher changes a writer's debut novel about a deadly assassin from fiction to nonfiction, the author finds himself thrust into the world of his lead character and must take on the role of his character for his own survival. Uh, Not the freshest premise, but I will say this, they do it in uh, in relatively fun, stylish ways. Like the, uh, The saving grace of this film, because it is relatively mediocre there is very little chemistry between kevin james and the uh love interest that they sort of prop up played by zule hinau um but the style really saves it like at one point i'm I'm gonna do my best not to spoil anything uh at one point there's a tango fight and y'all it kind of fucking rocks like, <laughs> when I when I tell you that I am shocked that I, I put on this film in full disclosure and maybe TMI, uh, if you have children, take them off, put them out of earshot real quick. TMI, when I put on a shitty movie, my TV's in my room, there's a chance that I might just like play like games while it's on. There's also a good chance that I might just like end up like getting bored and masturbating or something. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time, I'll tell you that. I actually, there came a point in this movie where the thought occurred to me, like I was like, I'm getting bored. Do I want to play that stupid Facebook mobile bubble pop game or masturbate or something? And then the movie like roped me right back in. It's like, we get it, we're dragged. And then like, they, it, it's 
Far from a perfect movie, the style is great. I will say this. They chose to set it in Venezuela. Mm -mm. It came out the end of 2016, which means that it was probably in pre-production as early as late 2014, if not a little bit earlier. Uh, Venezuela has a pretty tumultuous political landscape these past five to six years, one that I am not entirely qualified to comment on or say like what side of the spectrum I fall on in this. I will say this, this would be like akin to, I, I, I feel like the best way to sort of highlight just how, um, how, I'm just gonna say, a problematic a choice it was to set this film in Venezuela, wherein Kevin James as the assassin character is uh, essentially kidnapped because everybody thinks that he's an actual spy. And without spoiling too much, there are three different factions in Venezuela that all want him to work for them and all want him to assassinate a key member of the other faction. One of which of those targets just happens to be the president of Venezuela. For this movie... <laughs> To do this story, and to conceive this story even, at a point when unrest in Venezuela was reaching a critical boiling point. Uh, and it's still like, they're, they're still sort of struggling with it all now, from what I understand. But at this, at this juncture, it would be akin to them releasing the interview, which some of you may recall is the James Franco, Seth Rogen driven film, wherein like they pose as interviewers to assassinate the leader of North Korea. It would be like them dropping that movie the day that everyone started presuming that Kim Jong-un was dead. You know, like it, <laughs> it just, it, feel, it feels like when they, this release window for the true memoirs of an international assassin is a little tasteless, especially considering they don't, the, the premise of the film, uh, and we've talked about this before, uh, it, it uses Venezuela as a set without actually getting into the uh, intense, tricky political turmoil that was racking Venezuela then and uh, is still, we're seeing aftershocks of it now. Right. Uh, very, very interesting choice. I will say the pros of this film uh, do, in my opinion, kind of outweigh the cons. It currently, it's got, it's got a very low score. It's got a very low score, uh, <laughs> which, you know, fine. Again, like, I think that it is a very bland middle of the road film which in some ways is more egregious than being an all out awful film um and that's sort of what has allowed it to fade in time um i will say kellen coleman who plays kylie applebaum kevin james character's publisher is a fucking show stealer she is on screen maybe three minutes some of you might know kellen coleman from big little lies she plays harper stimson the moment that she appeared on screen i was like when is kellen coming back when is kellen coming back when is kellen coming back because she is absolutely hysterical there are themes that this film explores sort of like uh telling your own story the power of that not co-opting or stealing someone else's story because it, it minor spoiler alert this spoils like something from the first five to ten minutes kevin james's character writes his book his character's name is sam sam writes the book based off of the experiences of an old war vet pool buddy of his so they're playing pool he gets 
gets these war stories and he sort of repurposes them to write his book. Kellen Coleman, his publisher, sells the book online as nonfiction, and that's where that's sort of the whole inciting incident of all this. So there is something about like there are themes that are explored about the power of a writer, uh, the responsibility that that writer has to tell people's stories responsibly. Uh, I don't think that theme is necessarily explored well enough, but that's definitely a theme. Um, like overall, it's just a fun film with some really fun set pieces. Uh, it is. It suffers from what I'm going to now coin uh, as the uh, a term called the goon effect, um, wherein like goon, uh, the hockey movie starring Sean William Scott, not critically well received. That being said, the year that I watched it, it was one of the few movies that I didn't pick up my phone during the entirety of the film. I can't explain why it captured me so. It just did. And to be honest, True Memoirs of an International Assassin, while I think it's weaker than Goon, uh, still had that charm and that flash and style that at least kept me engaged. I think currently, I don't know if it has a Rotten Tomato score, the Metacritic score for True Memoirs of an, Interna- True Memoirs of an International Assassin. Jesus, someone should have told them about titles. Um, <laughs> it currently sits at 37% on Metacritic. I think that's a little unfair. Like, I, th- I think that this movie is better than some action bullshit that came out this year, last year, the past year, like past few years. I think you could easily bump this up to like, this is like a D movie. It doesn't deserve uh, less than I think 60, 55%. You, this film, I came in with the intention of like ripping on it as hard as I ripped on quintuplets. Um, and I was just unable to do that at the end of the day. And I think that surprised me. Well, look at that. That's the beauty of stream theory. You just never know what you might find. You, you might never be know. You might be surprised. All right. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, E? My friends, that's all. Go watch, go watch, do the right thing. Go watch Avatar. And go watch True Memoirs of, a, of an International Assassin. Maybe that one lasts. That seems like the least important, but... <laughs> Right, right. That does seem like least important. Uh, and if you have seen them, let us know what you thought about them. And if you do eventually watch them again, come back. Let us know what you thought about them. We'll have a discussion. We'll have a debate even. Uh, we just want to get you engaged and, and talk about these movies 100% for sure. Um, and you remember, remember, you can always hit us up on any of our social media platforms at, at Too Many Flicks. God damn, that's hot as hell. Oh, it's that time, isn't it? Ooh, it's that time. It's that time. It's it's hot outside and it's hot inside. Ah, oh, cause we got a hot take. We got a fucking hot take. Ah, damn, y'all motherfuckers ready for this? I'm ready. What do you got for us today, All Ben? Right. Okay, cool. Good. Because this movie, a lot of people didn't like it when it came out. I think a lot of people probably still don't like it. It's a Zack Snyder cut. Um, It's a it's a, sna- a Zack Snyder, not a Snack Snyder, but a Zack Snyder That's Zack Snyder. Okay. Um, And it has 50%, 56% of Rotten Tomatoes, and it's completely fucking unwarranted. 80% tops should be mm. where this sits. It is actually one of the best, I think, hero movies, superhero movies out there. And that's Man of Steel. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm still very confused as to why people don't enjoy it. Um, people are like, oh, it's not really embodiment of Superman. Well, it's Superman's path to becoming Superman. I don't think people understand that. That path was completely derailed by Batman versus Superman. So you can't really see the growth and where it was supposed to go. I'm pretty sure Man of Steel was supposed to be like a trilogy before 
before they decided mm. to make it a DCEU. And the second film, you're, su- you're supposed to see S- Superman gradually become the hero that we know him to be comics that was accelerated in Batman versus Superman and then further accelerated in Justice League, which made no fucking sense to me. But that's neither here nor there. This movie worked well on many aspects. You have, I would say the villain is okay. Um, Zod, I probably wouldn't have gone with Zod immediately out the gate, but I feel like it, it was important. I think Michael Shannon did a really solid job with what he was given. I would say that's one of the, the, the only issues that I had was Zod was kind of underwritten. And I feel like they could have written him a little stronger. But the writers, you might ask, who are they? Well, you got David S. Goyer, who's an accomplished writer, a competent writer. And then you have fucking Christopher Nolan. Chris Nolan was also a producer on this and helped structure a lot of this movie with the help of Zack Snyder, of course. So you can't sit here and tell me that it wasn't incompetent, right? Some of the pacing may be a little off. I give you that. But this movie is so, I mean, like the ending, like, oh, Superman would never, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, he cracks fucking Zod's neck to save uh, a family. And I mean, like, of course, this is how he learns to not kill. I mean, like, why would, first of all, Superman has killed before in comics. Um, just do a, brief, a brief research. You could Google it. It's happened before. It's not unheard of. But one, he had no other choice. Zod was not going to stop. Uh, and he's still very conflicted with his humanity and learning that he's an alien. I mean, there's so much going on there. And I don't like Superman. I do not like, I like Man of Steel. That's saying a lot. I don't, mm, I think he's mm. one of the worst su- superheroes out there. I don't care if he was like, oh, he's a shining glimmer of hope back in the day and da 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 He's, a, he's one of the, the OGs. I don't give a fuck. Superman sucks. He just does. He's pretty damn boring. He's boring. He's just boring. He can do everything. I'm sorry. It's boring. So what What do you do with that character? You're already starting off um, at a disadvantage, even though people love Superman. But like, as far as narrat- narratively speaking, you're starting at a disadvantage. So what do you do? You make the human side of him, side that he's known to, 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 to be, and that struggle with him having to fight, you know, against obliterating everything, and that struggle with between how to properly use your power and when you should use it and when you should not use it. Um, family, making it an intimate story between him and his family and his his, his adopted mom and dad. How his dad kind of like did the best he could was played by brilliantly by Kevin Costner. Like, hey, like sometimes, you know, you can't fucking use your powers. It's just people won't understand. And him having to repress that because his parents thought that that was the best for him. They thought, I mean, granted, in this instance, Superman should probably be a minor. Minority. I mean, granted, you can say, "What? He's an alien." Okay, but yeah, he's white from Nebraska. Look at him. Anyway, <laughs> it is a very interesting parallel to, to for people of color in a way. Even though he's not black, I understand he's not. But still, it's just like when you can use your power, when you can speak out. Some older people of an older generation are like, "Don't say anything. Just be safe. Just survive, survive, survive." And your whole instincts is like, "Well, I, I need to speak out on these things because things won't change if I do." Superman, please don't use your powers. Just go under the radar. Survive. Don't worry about but he's like well i have great power i feel like i should be helping people and that dichotomy and that that conflict that superman that that clark kent is at with superman is so interesting and they also give you a very interesting lore i think the, the way they switch up um some of the the, the the kryptonians how that works and how the symbol is an alien sign and, and how the fabric is weaved and how alien it looks I, I i fuck with it i think it's a really good movie and i think it's 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 really sad that Critics didn't see it, and then a lot of people didn't see it because they're so attached to what they think Superman is supposed to be. But guess what? It is good sometimes to do a deconstruction of our heroes because they're not always perfect. Why 
why would we want to see a perfect Superman? That's fucking boring. Narratively, it's, yeah, it's incredibly hard to do if and make compelling, yeah. That's what makes a good Superman. It's the best Superman movie. It's the best Superman. Man of Steel is the best Superman. It's, and that, that's even a hotter take, because people like, I was about, about to say, people will fight you on that. I don't care. <laughs> I do not. Christopher Reese, trust me, I appreciate what they did as far as superheroes are concerned. As far as getting that on the map, is nothing has ever been done like it before. It's still very solid, but there's a lot more narratively going on. There's so many layers. And in Superman, first Superman is just like, oh, he's Superman. He's Superman. He's saving Lois. And he's Clark Clint Kent. And he's stopping the bad guy. And he's flying. That's a thing that you haven't seen in movies before. And the score is amazing. Also, the score in Man of Steel is amazing. It's, it's um, helmed by fucking Hans Zimmer. I mean, come on. Come yeah. on. That movie's... Uh, I, I will implore you, please, to go back and watch Man of Steel. And if you are a super fanatic with Superman, one, I'm sorry that I probably just hurt your feelings. My bad. Uh, two, <laughs> two, please try to, to, to remove those feelings and any of your preconceived notions of what you think Superman should be and watch the movie for what it is. It is an in-depth analysis on how Superman... Superman has to deal with his humanity and how he has to deal with his superhuman strength and ability. And I think it's done really well. I do. And it's like, oh, Superman's so brooding. And that's literally some of the, the only criticisms that you hear from this thing. Uh, and uh, besides, like, legitimate criticisms of, oh, it may move a bit too slow in the beginning. Like, I wish he became Superman a little faster. Um, you know, the underwrittenness of the the, uh, the Zod, Zod and his uh, his minions, like, that, that could have been written better. Th those are legitimate criticisms. You won't get me you won't get an argument with me on that you'll get an argument with me on oh it's so dark and brooding fuck that shit I, i'm sorry it's just like so fucking what this is the real world if superman lived in the real world today superman would be a dark and brooding motherfucker i'm sorry it's like you know it's like let him grow because i think sometimes it's the best people forget that sometimes it's best for us to see a character grow because we will appreciate when he does become the superman that you know it's been earned you just don't start it it's been earned oh my god that's the super oh it's in the, the second last part of the second and then the, all in the third film oh it's this catharsis is amazing yes you know what i mean but he has to learn and people don't want to grow sometimes i don't know then that's my thoughts i think superman i'm sorry man is still one is a better movie than the original superman the first superman movie two is a classic and should be revered as that's that's my that's my take and friends that is a, a nice fiery hot take for you now ben you've raised some really really compelling arguments for this film uh friends do you agree with this hot take did you love man of steel do you have do you feel like maybe christopher reeves got a little bit of like got got a little got got got, got a little beef that you might want to stick up for him for or or something with this you know i i don't know i don't know let us know on any of our social media platforms the uh, twitter facebook instagram too many flicks it, hit us up i want to know i I don't have a huge dog in this race. I will say that I enjoyed Man of Steel, but I'm curious to hear how listeners are going to respond to this because this is a spicy one. Do you want to know something that we don't know? Sure. Here comes the trivia. Here we go. Okay. Okay. All right, friends. I hope you came ready to do a little bit of learning because uh, yep, yep. knowledge is important. It is. It is. So we're going to do two uh, trivia questions today because we had a pretty long episode. We had a lot to cover. Uh, but nonetheless, you're still going to get some knowledge in that noggin. Uh, Here we so, go. Yeah. It's time yeah. It's time to do a learned. Uh, ben, you mind if yeah. I go first? Go ahead. Let them let know what we're doing trivia on. Yes. We have decided for one reason or another to do trivia on this little production company 
company you might have heard of. It's called Happy Madison. It's the production company that Adam Sandler runs. It's It just seemed to tie in with the Kevin James da-da-da-da-da. Right. Hey, Ben. Yeah, go ahead. This Happy Madison film was the first ever movie released on the Blu-ray format. Oh, boy. Is it Grandma's Boy? Is it 51st Dates? Is it The Bench Warmers? Or is it The Longest Yard? The Longest Yard? It was actually 51st Dates. Oh, that was my gut. The Longest Yard threw me off. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, okay. All right. You ready for your first one? I am indeed. What do you got for me? This Happy Madison movie holds the record for most Razzie Award wins by one film in a single year with 10 awards, including Worst Picture of 2011. Oh, fuck. Is it Grown Ups 2? Is it Paul Blart Mall Cop? Is it Pixels? Or is it Jack and Jill? Pixels came later than 2011, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm, I think Jack and Jill was a little bit before. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Paul Blart. Uh, you, Jack, it was Jack and Jill. It was Jack and Jill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I could tell you were leaning that way. It was honestly, I was, I was actually torn between, uh, Paul Blart and Grown Ups 2. There was just something Uh, so cathartic to me about the Razzies being like, you did number one. You don't get a second unscathed. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. All right. What's your second one? Okay, Ben, uh, Ben, this one's, this one's kind of a wild one with a long-winded question. So I'm going to try to say it as nice, like as cleanly as I can. Cool. This film almost featured a character known only as the Shadow Man, who was a godlike being that would show up to put the lead character through a series of tests and trials. After a great amount of discussion, the studio decided to remove the character to keep the film more grounded in reality. Was this film Paul Blart 2 Mall Cop or whatever? Paul Blart Mall Cop 2? Jesus Christ. Click, Little Nicky, or Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. <laughs> so it's a good... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so you This film, keep in mind, whatever film you choose, almost had a godlike character named The Shadow Man so that would show up. So you a couple up. of curveballs in there because Little Nicky deals with the devil. So I'm going to say no on that. I think that's too obvious. Click mm-hmm. could make sense. They want it more grounded in reality, but I mean, like, he is literally using a remote control to, con- like, control time and stuff. <laughs> so true, yeah. Uh, So it's already kind of out of the realm. Um, What were the other two? Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. Which would have been Or Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. I'm going to go with Deuce Bigelow because that would be funny as hell. That would be funny as hell, man. <laughs> it, it it was uh it was Paul Blart Mall Cop too. Uh, that was my second guess because that would be funny as fuck too. What? I like really wish they had gone that route because like <laughs> a grounded spoof of Die Hard or whatever is fine. Like you know what? It right. was a shitty movie. We get it. For number two to come out of the fucking gates <laughs> swinging with right. the Shadow Man. Yeah, it would have been fucking. You dope. cowards! Yeah, come cowards. on. Yeah, that's funny as fuck. All right, are uh, you ready for your your last one, sir? I am. I am indeed. Okay. So Rain Over Me's Mike Bender, or sorry, Mike Binder, wrote the lead role with this actor in mind, but they turned it down. I'm gonna repeat that question. Rain Over Me's Mike Binder wrote the lead role with this character, with this actor in mind, but they turned it down. Was that actor Ryan Reynolds? Was that actor Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, or Will Smith? Ooh. Um. 
Ooh, that's good. I'm gonna say, just from what I remember of the trailer of that film, because I haven't seen that film, um, I'm gonna go with... I'm gonna go with Tom Hanks? No, the actor was Tom Cruise, but he turned it down. Can you imagine Interesting. That? Tom Cruise is like the one person that I wouldn't be interested in seeing in that role. <laughs> no. Whatever. I mean, hey, it, more power more power to him for... Right. He knows what he's mm, about. Yeah, he was like, nah, I'm gonna do a movie in space in 10 years. So, no. I <laughs> so I, I don't have time for Rain Over <laughs> Me. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you very much. I have astronaut training. Why? Don't worry about it. It'll all make sense soon. All right, friends. That was trivia. Uh, we we might do more of this uh, Happy Madison uh, trivia because it's a lot. And he's done movies for a long time. So, who knows? We might have a part two for next one. Who knows? Why not? Do you call this part one? Part of, uh, one. Yeah, of Happy Madison trivia. And then next week, we'll do part two. Will we do like a full three questions and we will really get into it all right uh any anything else you want to say before we uh close her out that's all i got friends if you have some other interesting trivia that uh we should have schooled each other on in regards to happy madison or any other fun little tidbits please feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms you can also hit us up at our email that's too many flicks dot chicago at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you Well, man, that's another one. That's an, done yep. down another one. Another one in the books and another one and another one. Uh, uh, hustle, hustle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, we mm, did it. We mm. did it. We did it. We did it. And we couldn't have done it without you, dear listener. Mm-hmm. We could not. This is all of our podcast, not just ours. It's not a, It's not us. It's all of us. It's not just me and Ian. It's all of us. You know, we're all in this Absolutely. together. And we thank you so much for sharing, uh, allowing us to share this with you and we've got some more stuff coming down the pipe we are uh, in the process of polishing up a little things and and making it smooth and as professional as possible without losing its um you know without losing our hospitality without losing our our our, uh, our friendliness you know we don't want to do that we don't want to go corporate we're not trying to go corporate here we're we're family uh run business here okay <laughs> But uh, yeah, so look, be on the lookout for that. We're not going to go into great details because we don't want to promise anything because uh, sometimes I do that all the time and, and end up, ends up not happening. But you know, that's just life. That is, that's what you see. It's, it's the, the hustle, man. It's the name of the game, baby. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Why don't you tell the people uh, who you are and, uh, you know, what's going on in your life? All the plugs, the quick plugs. Uh, my name's Ian. Uh, I am slowly but surely learning how to use. Uh, cameras uh, you can find me on if you have pointers about cameras and lighting and editing and shit dear god send them my way you can find me on Facebook as Ian Muntiner you can find me on Twitter as Sir Yikes a lot at baby got knack and I'm also on Instagram I think as sock ninja 888 I'm not super active there but there are plenty of pictures of my cat so go ingest those Ben uh, who are you where can people find you yeah I'm Ben Jenkins you can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Timothy Jenkins. You can find me on Twitter at BTJenkins91. You can find me on Instagram at Benvolio91. Um, yeah, right. Currently, I am uh, rehearsing for David Mamet's race, um, which may we may do the show in July. You know, COVID's got things kind of hazy, and when 
if we do do the show, it's going to be kind of hard to figure out how um, it would work with the social distancing. But it, it is nice to, to read through it and, and, and to meet up with the cast and things. So, uh, yeah, it's with Fleetwood Jordan um, Theater uh, in Evanston. So that's kind of fun. Um, that, doing a bunch of self-tapes, self-tapes almost every other week. It's great and also stressful, but I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, and doing a little writing and playing video games. I'm trying to win the NBA Finals right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make the finals against the Bucks. If you play any 2K. Big moves. Yeah, if you play any 2K20, you understand that Giannis and, and the Milwaukee Bucks are ridiculously hard to beat. <sighs> so it's been stressful, but I, I got I to beat them. I got one more game to go. Anyway, if you want to reach us and talk to us about anything... <laughs> Right. Yeah, I'm having an existential crisis about that fucking game. Uh, if you want to reach us and talk to us about anything, I don't care if you're just like, hey, uh, today's a good day. I'm just like, you know, I love my dog. And we don't care if you had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We want to listen. That's what we're about. You can contact us at Too Many Flicks on any social media platform. That's the number two and an X at the end. You can also email us at Too Many Chicago at gmail.com. That's Too Many Chicago at gmail.com. Again, the number two and an X at the end. And guys, we know there's a lot of shit happening. You know, it's beautiful out. You know, some restrictions uh, are starting to ease up a bit, but we want you to be careful because, you know, listen to scientists and doctors, listen to scientists and doctors, listen to scientists and doctors before anything else. And we know it's crazy. It's a lot of different information coming out, a lot of, a lot of stuff on streaming. And sometimes you just don't have time to do it. Sometimes you just want to like make pasta, you know, or you want to like read a book. You don't have time for all that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Do not worry because we got you mm-hmm. boo boo because we're too many flicks mm-hmm. and we watch all the flicks so that you don't have to 